What is up? Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Hobby Hotline, episode 230. Wow, holy cow, that is a lot. But uh, what is going on, everybody? My name, of course, is Drew or the DH. Joining me today, first, we've got Erica. Love what you collect. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. Um, fresh off of attending the Philly show um, last night. So um, it was okay. It was interesting. <laughs> I always find it inter- I always find it very interesting when you have a multiple shows and going on the same weekend. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I want to hear about that Philly show because I hate that I'm uh, missing it right now. But I have enough travel coming up this month. And also <laughs> joining us today, we do have Heroes for Sale, the man Adam. What's up, dude? You know, just doing content as much content <laughs> as I can. Uh, things are things are going well. You know. Uh, Obviously, excited to be here, excited to get into some of the great topics we have today. Yes, well, that we do, guys. And uh, and always, as always, uh, feel free to call in, join the show if you'd like. If you've got any questions, comments, or anything that you'd like, you can call in on video or audio. Just click that link right there. I'm going to put it here in the comments as well. All you got to do is simply click the link. That's it. You're more than welcome to join the show. We would absolutely love to have you guys. But uh, yeah, we'll dive right into it. And I guess um, we'll start with some of the big news that just dropped uh, that I, I kind of saw coming, but we'll see uh, what everyone says. Um, but TikTok banning sports card breaks. There were a lot of sports card breaks um, going on on TikTok. I know a lot of people that don't do it anywhere else except for on TikTok and uh TikTok laid the hammer, laid the hammer down, and no more sports card breaks on TikTok. So uh, what do you guys think about that? It's pretty interesting. Um, The first thing I thought about it was what's going to happen with the other social media platforms yep. like Instagram. I thought about Instagram next, and I'm like, oh, it's going to be very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think... I think it's kind. Of, I think in a way it's good that they they put their foot down because obviously they did it for a reason, and um and obviously they they're probably doing so things won't get worse, um in terms of like scams or people not getting what they're supposed to accept as it grows. So I think I think rules and regulations kind of start to need to be more in place, um on you know social media breaking apps. Yeah. No. Adam. Yeah. I mean. For me, I think breaking and like opening packs of cards has been fairly popular on that platform, to be honest. Yes. Um, I mean, I think what you probably will end up seeing um, in the future is going to be like, like, like one of the things actually, uh, uh, one second, sorry. You're fine. You're good. No worries. We have a yeah. Sorry about that. Um, the yeah. Sorry. Uh, the one thing, at least from all the social media platforms, like I think it'll be interesting to see what Instagram and Twitter maybe do because, like, they have adopted TikTok's features a lot quicker than the other way around. Like, Mm -hmm. also. I think there's there was money to be made on in breaking and like on the platform. So like if somebody in you know some sort of marketing or finance department saw that there was money being made 
on the platform and they weren't getting a piece of that, they were probably like, we're not doing that anymore. Like yeah. on Instagram, I think there is like the shop feature, but like, I don't necessarily know how many breakers are using that shop feature to sell breaks, but if they are Instagram and Facebook are getting a piece of that money there. Um, so, I mean, overall, like, I guess we'll see, we'll see when it comes to like what they do next. Cause like also the one thing about TikTok is they're, the platform is very fluid. Like they change a lot of stuff all the yes. time. Like uh, probably like a year ago, they pretty much banned anything that had to do with crypto, like crypto accounts, right. being like shadow banned. You couldn't talk about crypto. You couldn't do anything that had to do with crypto. Now they've loosened it up a little bit. So it's not as strict. So I don't know if necessarily that's the next step for TikTok when it comes to like card breaking. Um, but I mean, I guess, like I said, we'll see. Like TikTok's been, since I've been using it, it's been very fluid and like things yeah. have changing. Um, and card accounts have, you know, grown on there pretty significantly over the, in terms of how many people are on there over the past two, three years. So yeah. uh, it's, you know, like you said, there are people that are only doing breaks on TikTok. So unfortunately for them, they may have to find another platform. But at the same time, it's like, you know, they, they were sort of running their business almost at for, for free in a way right. like that's, and that's sort of where in sports cards and in business in general, like that can only go on for really so long before someone wants to get in there and maybe get their piece of the pie or just stop people from making money. So it's like I, the people, hopefully they were trying to grow another platform so they can move to alter or not alt, excuse me. They can move to whatnot or they can move to mm -hmm. loop, but I don't know. I guess we'll see sort of what the fallout of this ends up being. Yeah, I there. I like a lot of things that you just said, and I agree with a ton of them. And Rex, I actually do want to touch on your comment here in just a moment for just a second. But um, yeah, I the TikTok thing, it, I wasn't surprised at it because, like you said, they do a lot of changes and like quite often. And they do seem to tend to regulate a lot stuff, a lot of stuff more than other people. Shocker, um, yeah. from where, where they're located. I think you can figure that out. Um, but it to me, it either looks like they're stopping it so they can implement a feature where they can get a piece of the pie, but out of it, or maybe they do just end up banning it. Now on Instagram, I know a lot of the bigger companies are starting to use that shop feature. A lot of a lot of the smaller companies and stuff, absolutely not. But I know a lot of people that do utilize the shop feature greatly on Instagram that are sports card accounts. But the breaking on there is gonna be interesting to see what happens. I um I don't use TikTok much. I I'm fully aware of it, have an account and all that type of stuff, but I don't use it a ton. But luckily for people that are just breaking on TikTok, there's a thousand other outlets for you to choose from and uh that's kind of where i want to touch on rex's comment real quick uh rex in regards to the fanatics platform they mentioned at the tops conference that all products including panini products leaf products all that type of stuff upper deck anything it'll all be allowed to be sold on that platform it's not going to be tops ex exclusive now there will be breakers that are on there that are signed up through them and there'll probably be a process to do that. But in regards to what cards will be sold, they specifically did say that it would be all brands, not limited to just tops. So did just want to let you know and throw that out there. Um, but in terms of all that, like the, 
like it is kind of questionable because Instagram has a massive breaking presence. Um, I just know from accounts that I follow, I get notifications every time I'm on there. So-and-so started a live video and then right away if it's a break mm-hmm. of content and I see it all the time. So that it is kind of interesting. And then Facebook groups, you know, that's, I mean, Facebook knows it's been going on for a long time. It's kind of started on Facebook. Facebook does their group checks. They've shut down groups that do it wrong. I think they know it's going on and I just don't think they care personally, or if they do, they haven't done anything about it. But with TikTok doing it, do doing this ban, do they start, you know, do they start to pay attention? Do they start to care? Cause there's a lot of money going through this. Like you said, some people made their living just off of TikTok breaks. I know somebody personally that has no social media presence anywhere except for on TikTok that would do thousands upon thousands in two hours. And so there there are quite a few that relied on that heavily. So it, it's interesting and kind of a shock. I think, I think too, uh, one other kind of thing I was thinking about was like, this honestly might have just been a decision by like one person. Right. Like when it comes to these big platforms, like, although, you know, obviously us as a card show or everybody in sort of the card world, it's like, it's our every day. But like for somebody who's making rules or changing rules on platforms, like they may not even know what card breaking is. Like they may just look at it. it like, because the other thing is like one, one thing that I think that they banned was like, uh scratch tickets like that yes. was like another weird niche no that was a massive market someone doing. would buy up like a hundred of them and then they'd go in and sell them and do them together right. and split the money and stuff like mm-hmm. that yeah yeah so like it it may have just been like one person making a decision that right the, and they didn't like i said they don't even necessarily know what sports cards are they don't know what sports cards breaking breaking is so like yeah. they may have just looked at or i mean it's really like it could even just be like maybe the person making the decision had a kid that got ripped off on tiktok and then they exactly. decided that they wanted to ban it so it's like yeah. it's not like it's going to this big committee and they're making and like a bunch of people are making the decision like no. it was probably like one to two people in a department that decided to make this decision so like what went into that we don't really no it could be as simple as one of those or it could be like i don't know maybe they've been looking into it for a while but because it just seems sort of random that they just decide to do it i guess that's kind of my other my other thought about it as well yeah i agree i agree it's or it could be a a couple issues that you know alerted them on Mm -hmm. it um Mm -hmm. you know i think i think it's very interesting and it's also interesting because they might allow it back eventually, but maybe with yeah. some different rules, or maybe they might implement some like settings where they can, you know, get a piece of the pie, mm-hmm. you know. So I could see that coming back possibly. Yeah. Now Philly Joe uh, makes a comment and says that you think it has might have more to do with kids, minors, and that that is a big possibility. Um, I know on whatnot at least uh, when I do shows and stuff like that on there. Um, there's quite a few kids that are on there. Their parents know they're on there, though. Now, the dip, that's the difference when you get into TikTok and things like that. You know, um, are they, you know, how are they paying for this stuff using their parents' accounts, all that? Maybe it does have something to do with kids. Like you said, though, there is no massive committee. I don't think this was some big, you know, like two-hour meeting, you know, to discuss this and all that. I think it was just a, a snap decision over there that they decided they didn't want this on there anymore. And they're known for doing that quite a bit. So it's mm-hmm. no shock to me 
I mean, personally. But Foul Ball says it's the beginning of the TikTok fail. They're getting banned in the USA soon. Um, I don't know if they'll get banned in the US, USA soon. I am not a fan of the platform whatsoever. So I would be perfectly fine. Did and it went away? Um, but you know, we'll see. What do you guys mm-hmm. think about that? I mean, do you think like is like uh, in regards to all this? Do you think it's leading towards that, or what's all that's, this? You know, that's the that's the rumor. I've heard I've heard people say that. I don't I, I don't know what to think, but because I personally I personally don't utilize the um app as much either. Yeah. Just. I'm more Facebook, let's say in my age, and then um, Instagram, and those are the mm-hmm. two, and then you know, of course, YouTube. But um, I don't, I don't, I think it's very interesting what's going on with them. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, there's there has been the rumor for a while that it's going to get banned, but I think the real reason why it might get banned is because, like. Silicon Valley and like the U.S. tech companies, yeah, you know they work with the U.S. government pretty, you know, pretty closely in most cases. And mm-hmm. if you know Facebook or Twitter want to go to the government and say, "Hey, we need this band. Here's the money that we're going to give you," then it's probably then there's probably a decent chance that it's going to get banned. Like all, all the like you know, or at least a lot of the big U.S. social media companies are all sort of silicon valley tech companies like and and, i mean also like yeah i just that's sort of what i think at least no i i agree i think uh i think that has a lot to do with it it is going to be interesting to see and eric you brought it up uh, i do think that they might implement some type of platform into there where they can get some share of the revenue through this um they they're a company that likes to test things and try things. So it would not shock me whatsoever if they put a half-ass attempt of something out there. Um, I think that's quite possible. But big news, obviously, and big news for a lot of people, TikTok um, banning sports card breaks. Uh, as Rex says, you should be 18 or over to buy in a break, in my opinion. Too many opportunities for kids to be taken advantage of right now. And Rex, I agree with you. I have so many kids that I've interacted with and seen people uh, take quite a big advantage of kids. U.S. Sports Cards also says he has a hobby goal for the weekend is to cross over 25K listings in his eBay store. Good luck on that goal. I've got a uh, next week. I've got a goal of entering about 20,000 cards for people into PSA. So (laughs) I know those goals. But uh, guys, something that kind of ties into the whole TikTok thing and something that uh, I think we need to touch on a little bit is the alt and BGS stuff going on. If if everyone's not aware, alt is suing Beckett right now, BGS, over a Steph Curry um, gold rookie card that they graded a 9.5 that after further review and uh, a whole bunch of stuff that went on, Adam, I'll let you go into it if you'd like to, was discovered to have been trimmed. So that they are now suing Beckett. And this is, it sounds like just another lawsuit. You hear stuff all the time um, in the hobby. There's a lawsuit going on here, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't really mean much like the class action against redemptions. Good luck, guys. Have fun. You're losing. But I mean, <laughs> stuff like that, that's just whatever. This one's a little different. I, I think 
I, I mean, I think we, and I'm probably maybe a little bit naive to the fact that like lawsuits and stuff like that. But like, I think that depending on how this pans out, like we are seeing sort of, uh, you know, lawsuits coming or lawsuits that have happened in the future, setting precedents in the hobby for like future, you know, future action that could be taken. Like it sort of comes down to like where, like, I guess from the lawsuit, from this specific lawsuit perspective, it, I think it comes down to kind of like who, where is the liability? And if the, if the person or company that's liable, like if it's actually actionable in the court, like, right. Because if, if they say like, cause I, I guess I don't know the, I don't, I don't know the back end or like what will happen. Like, I don't know, like the law, I guess, when it comes to that, like, I don't know if they're going to say like, if you did this, even though it may have been an accident, you still have to, you know, pay damages or something along those lines. I think ultimately from my perspective, I think that what happens here is like, I, I, at least I, maybe this will happen. Maybe it won't, but it'll be like, uh, the, there'll have to be maybe more back end data on sales of cards to figure out like who submitted it when the card sold like and then they'll have to go back and and maybe it might even lead to like you can't sell a card on ebay or you can't sell a card somehow without having it your without having some sort of registered business like it's it's there i think that there's a lot that could come from this lawsuit depending on how it pans out um, yeah, and U.S. sports cards brings up a really uh, good point and something that I think is going to be a very big, uh, which makes me think they have this filmed in some way, shape, or form. But they did crack the card when they tracked, because what happened and how they found out it was trimmed, for those of you that don't know, it was in the BGS holder. They had it at Golden. Before they put it up for auction, they decided to crack it and cross it over at PSA. They did not do a submission where it's just a crossover. They did a crack and cross is what it's called. And so the fact that it wasn't golden makes me think that it's probably videotaped and that golden probably had all that information and it was probably cracked at golden before it was sent. But when it was sent to PSA, that's when they found out it was trimmed. So they did crack the card out of the case which, like he says, does that break any chain of conditional custody? There's there's a lot of stuff that's really interesting to me in this, and that's one of the big ones, which would the courts are leaning towards, at least it looks so far, by the fact that, first of all, Paul Lesko, anyone that doesn't know, he is a lawyer and loves to cover all the hobby news going on. I don't think he would be covering this as much if he didn't think there was some sort of validity in it because he seems to be heavily involved in this and looking it over. I don't think he would be, you don't see him talking about the class actions and all the BS lawsuits that come out there yet. You see him talking about this a lot. So I don't know if the breaking the chain of custody is going to ultimately matter. I think it's going to come down to, is it videotaped? Was it filmed? Can they tell from the images that they have in the case and when they got it that it is exactly the same and it hadn't been trimmed you know once they took it out of the case all that type of stuff there are identifiers and things that hopefully they can figure out i doubt 
they're cracking it and then doing a press and trim. So if they were going to trim it, they would have to just trim it there. You'd be able to see something obvious. Um, just where the card was, I don't see how it would be possible to do the trimming themselves. But um, that's just my thoughts on that. Um, but Erica, what do you think about all this? This is a this is a pretty big one. Yeah, this big. I'm 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 glad I'm kind of glad this has been brought to light, you know, because the lack of accountability on so many aspects um that yeah. affect the end consumer has has just been like mind boggling. It's just to the point where people will just be like, oh well, that's what it is. Could be something as simple as um uh, buying some wax and the guaranteed auto in there is not in there, or the card's been eaten by Benji the dog. You know, like stuff like that, but yeah. we're so we're so accustomed to just just letting it go and just being like, oh well, you know, chances. But no, people, they, these companies need to be held accountable. These companies need to be more consistent. These companies need to have a, a better a better system in place for when mistakes do happen for it to be resolved the proper way. Um, so I'm hoping that this case kind of leads to that. Um, and I think it probably depending on the outcome of it. But um, I def I definitely think that the 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 inconsistency in grading is a huge issue. Like mm -hmm. it's just it's just it's mind boggling, like to me. Oh no, I, I agree with that one hundred percent. I mean, I deal with over probably five hundred thousand cards for PSA a year, and the absurdity in some of the grading that I see, um, and for in a company that I support and a company that yeah. I like. And sadly, next to them and SGC, in my opinion, have the best grading standards. And so mm -hmm. even that, I see so much frustration. So the inconsistency is massive. And that is a big problem. Um, yeah. And, you know, probably something that, you know, lawsuits like this can change a lot of stuff. You know, it can mm -hmm. it can provide precedence uh, for the few for future cases for lots of different stuff. Um, now they are seeking $350,000 in financial losses on here on this curry, uh, saying that BGS failed to exercise reasonable care or competence when it first evaluated the Steph Curry rookie card in October 2016. Um, and so Alt says, relying on BGS representations, they massively overpaid for nearly worthless trimmed card. Now, Philly Joe makes a very, very good point that I was actually going to bring up, that grading is just an opinion. True. It is, not, it is not something that is automatically guaranteed. We have just taken it in the hobby and accepted that these are experts, that it adds extra value. Ultimately, it is just an opinion. So, I mean, it. I don't know. It's it's an it's an interesting one. Bay Area guy says it doesn't matter if a human or a computer grades a card; it'll always be based on eye appeal. That I agree with. Um, what what do you guys think in in terms of that? Yeah, I think one thing about our industry is that like it it has been almost it was almost exclusively not online for so long that like now that it is online, we are kind of seeing more of the issues that maybe yeah. existed mm -hmm. when it came to grading. Like if this card hypothetically, you know, if this happened, I don't know, 10 years ago, 
there's a chance that we never even would have known that this happened at that. And then this Steph Curry rookie card potentially is like, like we, we probably wouldn't have known that Alt paid $160,000 for the card. And we also right. probably wouldn't have known that they cracked it and tried resubmitting it. And we wouldn't have known that maybe there was a lawsuit because the, the content or whatever on the internet for sports cards has grown so dramatically over the past five, you know, five, six years. Um, and I think too, just when it comes to grading, like it's like we all have day jobs or most of us do. Um, mm -hmm. And so like, if you think about it, like a grader at PSA, that's just their job. So it's like, think about the amount of times you're at your job and you just maybe, I don't know, or having a bad day or you don't, mm -hmm. you don't put in your best work that day. Like, unfortunately, when it comes to that, like we're, that grader or, or the company is grading something that could potentially be worth $160,000. Exactly. And like, you know, whatever they sat in traffic that morning or they dropped their coffee. It's like, they may have missed the signs that this was a trimmed card because they maybe weren't paying attention, but it's not even like it's, it's not, it's not necessary. It is their, it is some graders fault potentially, but also at the same time, it's like, if you think about your day job, like, or any job that you have, like, are you, you know, obviously there's people you're going to, some people will say, well, yeah, I give a hundred percent effort at my job every single day, but it's like, sure. I don't know. I, I would say there are people that maybe don't. So it's like for some people, you know, they would look at it and say, well, grading cards, that must be such an easy job. And other people are like, well, it's my job. And I look at it from both perspectives. Um, but, but yeah, ultimately like grading comes down to like, the person that day looking at the card at that specific time. And there are so many other factors that affect that person's judgment on the card, especially with like, if, if you look up like Luka Doncic, PSA 10 prism, there are going to be a hundred different listings that look, uh, that look different. So it's like the standards of grading um, are pretty wide when it comes to modern companies as well. So it's like, I don't yeah. know. Those are kind of all the things that I'm looking at, I guess. Well, I also, I also look at it at, well, like what you just said about how, if you look at all, like if you looked at 50 Luca PSA tens, it all look a little different. That, that goes back to, I think, uh, you know, the comment that said it's all about eye appeal because people seem to think that they look at it and they say, Oh, well, how could this card get a 10? It's off center a little bit. Well, if the rest of the card's perfect, then that's probably why because centering is only one aspect of it, but it is the biggest one in terms of eye appeal. At least your initial eye appeal is going to be the centering on the card. Um, and so, yeah, everything is going to look a little bit different. Um, good luck, USA Sports Card. He's up with Sports Card Nation. Good old Mr. Newman. And uh, apparently he's getting his cards back very soon. Good luck on your first submission. It's always a lot of fun to... Uh, Open up that box for the first time. Um, Barry, a guy, I fully agree with your statement. I feel when I send in a sub 20 card ranging from 55 to 2020, and they all come back 10s. The grading got lucky the night before. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that hat, like that type of stuff, absolutely has a uh has an effect i know multiple graders from multiple companies i'm very good friends with the head grader at beckett first of all grading is a very low paying job there is six to eight months of training and then you are in a very dim lit room 
dealing with just grading all day long. So yeah, absolutely people are going to have, and that's on top of the fact that just naturally people are going to have bad days. You said, Adam, you know, a lot of people will say, I always give a hundred percent of my job. Yes. From your perspective, you do. Right. But in reality and the perspective of other people, there's going to be days where you don't. And that's just being human. It's being normal. But a lot of people can have it affect them in different ways. And obviously, you see so many different graders. Graders are leaving. Graders are coming in. Well, if they're on their way out, it could be a whole lot worse. You never know. And so it's uh, it really is a crapshoot. And the problem with it is, you know, Adam, you kind of highlighted it as if I if someone has a bad day, let's say, at just like what uh, McDonald's or something like that or Walmart, then yeah, okay, it, it might affect the customer a little bit, but it's not going to affect them a lot. If a grader has a bad day on someone's cards and they're grading those cards that are $350,000 curries and $100,000 cards or even a couple hundred dollars where a 10 to a nine goes from 5,000 to 350 to 400 bucks, the difference in the grade. Well, that really trickles down to the consumer, you know, and that's the big issue is that it ends up hurting the consumer a lot more when they have those bad days. And so it's, it's a dangerous game. Um, but it, it's one that's been accepted in the hobby. Agreed. Well said, definitely well said. I fully agree. Adam, anything else on um, all and everything before we move on? Or yeah, I mean, like I just think I look at it a couple uh, again. Obviously, there's differences in opinions, and I think everyone's going to have a different opinion about grading. And it's always a hot button topic whenever people are talking about it because some people love it, some people hate it, some people love PSA, some people hate PSA. Um, <laughs> but it's like I think when when it comes to a card. I guess maybe I would like to see at some of the grading services, like if you grade a card, like, and it's, you know, a Steph Curry rookie, that's going to be worth $168,000. Like I would, if I were running the grading company, I would say we need at least two or three other people to look at this card to make sure. And, and I guess it's almost like you have to be careful because it's like how they're grading so many cards how closely can you look at every single one? You know, like right. if somebody gets 30 Lucas, like in, in hypothetically, and I don't know, I don't know the back end of how they're grading the cards, but it's like, like, let's say hypothetically, one grader is grading um, 30 Lucas. Let's just say that, for example, they're getting the Lucas, they're looking at it, they're saying, okay, this looks fine. Maybe it's a 10. This one looks okay. Like, but they're not comparing them all as one. They're comparing, they should be, they're looking at them each individually, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's tough because they're grading so many cards and I wish that they could maybe spend a little bit more time on each one. But from a business perspective, obviously that's not a reasonable request because like I said, if you're grading 30 Lucas, but you have 500 more that you have to grade that day, you're going to just go through those and you're going to grade, you're going to give them a grade and you're not even going to think twice about it. Cause you got 500 more cards that you have to grade. So it's like, and that's, those are numbers I made up. I don't know. I don't, I'm hoping that, or I don't know if one grader is grading 500 cards a day, but either way, I'm just looking at it. Like if, if that person's looking at 30 Lucas, once they get to the 30th one, they're like, whatever, this is a nine. I don't care. Like, especially if they, 
if they know the population percentage, like if if they know the Luca is like a 75% 10 rate, if they get those 30, somebody might even just look at it and say, okay, I'm just going to give 75% of these a 10. And that's not even, and that's not even going to be a drop in the bucket for the population, you know, but the Steph Curry card, if it's a higher price card, I would hope that there maybe is a second or third eye looking at it, but you know, there's just too many cards, I think. My hair is, I, I can't hear. For some reason, I don't know why. Okay. We were muted there for a second. Okay, but, uh, no worries. You're back. You're back. Yeah, Who were you good. saying? Good deal. No, I was saying that um, in regards to P, uh, Bay Area guy where he said Peter Steinberg said it best, they're the referees of your cards. Um, the big name cards, I will say, I do know for a fact, they are looked over by people. Say... They're looked over by a supervisor and then a manager. And I believe at SGC, I'll confirm uh, with Peter this weekend and we'll put it on the socials. But I believe as well that once the grader looks at it, a couple other people look at it as well at PSA. Um, I confirm with Beckett too that they do the same thing. Um, but if a grader grabs a random box and it's 30 Lucas right there, they're churning those out in 20 to 30 seconds, honestly like per card you might get a minute on the card if they've got a look or if they have like an idea that there may be a scuff or a dent or something like that on it or if it's some of the refractor cards with uh, and prism and stuff like that where it's a little more difficult to see imperfections um those take a little bit more time but uh when you ask and if people are grading 500 cards a day absolutely they are um, I can confirm that a thousand percent. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's interesting. I don't with alt and the whole BGS thing. I, I think BGS honestly just missed it. And the first time around, and this goes back to, uh, we had the FBI raid this weekend on the big trimming scandal. A lot of those cards that were uh, trimmed were put in real PSA holders. They sent a lot in and got them through. This stuff gets through all these grading companies all the time. Um, there's plenty of people, um, Wax Museum, who does the who tracks the RPAs and the swapping of the RPAs. How many of those have gotten through millions of times by grading companies? So I mean, you see it all the time. There's still Troy Aikman fake autographs that were auto pen from Tops. Um, and PSA holders are still out on the market and they tried to do a recall on them, yet they still grade them as authentic as authentic autographs. So I think it, it's a case of it just got, got by Beckett. And then once it was moved to a PSA slab, now that Beckett's values dropped so much and it's uh, really under SGC values now, 
Um, obviously, they wanted it out of that slab, and then that's when they found out that it ultimately was trimmed when it was looked over a second time. Um, but we did have U.S. Sports Card ask, um, was Alt the company that compromised uh, their consumers' data when they were in their early days? Yes, they are. Alt has had a couple of issues that has made some people uh, quite upset in the past, and I know a lot of people uh, have strong opinions on Alt. Um, but in regards to the lawsuit, I, I ultimately think Alt probably loses this lawsuit. If I had to guess from today what I see right here, I think they ultimately lose it, not because they cracked it out or anything. I just don't think logically it's possible for them to have done the trimming. Um, but I, I just don't see with what we've talked about grading being uh, being the refereeing of your cards, being subjective and all of this type of stuff. I don't see how they can quantify that. Now, of course, selling the fake card and everything, that's a different story. Um, but I, I just, I don't know. Something tells me they're not going to win this. There's too many variables and there's not precedence in the industry for them to really have a lot of a leg to stand on, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I actually have a question for you guys that I'm interested yeah. to know your opinion. Like, so obviously in this scenario, it was, it was maybe a good thing that the card was cracked, but like, <clears throat> do we think that like the grading companies should either put some sort of like sticker on the inside of the cases or some sort of way that makes it so you can't crack cards. Cause like, mm, I think it's, I'm very 50 50 on like, if I think it should be, because like I said, it's grading is all subjective. So it's like, you could op you could get a card graded and crack it and get it graded again. You could do it 10 times and you could potentially get 10 different grades on that card. I mean, especially yeah. when you, if you're, cracking it there's probably a chance that it's been dinged a little bit but at the same time like do you think that there should be a way that is that stops people from cracking cards or do yes. you think it's like something that's like once it's graded if you know if you look at the card and you think it should be a higher grade you're allowed you should be allowed to get a regraded if you want i guess i want that i 1000 percent think that there should be a way and i don't care if people are uh, assigning that, hey, if I'm going to, if I'm going to get this graded, that there's some type of mark that's, you know, issued, you know, on the card or, or something uh, in some way, shape or form. I do think that I, I don't think that there should be a way to make them stop people from cracking it because mm. like I'm collecting the Bryce Williams rainbow. Well, that's one that I have the super in, in a, SGC slab. So I want all the other ones in an SGC yeah. slab to match because it's for me. It's personal. Yeah. It's not to resell, nothing like that. So if one of the only ones that I can or all of the other ones are graded by BGS and PSA, I'm going to want that card cracked to sub it for my PC. But I do think there needs to be a way to tell if the card has been removed and has been crossed over. And mm -hmm. I, it would take the grading companies, I think, working together and tracking serial numbers right. to yes. even be able to do it with cards that are graded. But then you go into like the companies I work for, Jim Mint, we do a lot of cracking crosses. So we crack thousands uh, uh, like all the time. And so there, I do think there should, 
there, there should be a way to tell if that card's been graded before, whether it be adding like you Bay Area in, invisible ink on the sleeve on the insert or something, something, some type of tamper proof thing or somewhere, shape, or form that shows this has been graded. A great example is the Russell Wilson contender autos. There are, I believe, I think it was like 25 or 50 total. He didn't have a lot. There's over like 150 to 175 graded through all the different pop reports because it's been crossed and regraded so many times. And I, I do think that there needs to be a way to track that stuff. I would think with imaging and AI and everything that we have now, that that would be the better use of AI than trying to have a, a robot grade the cards, but yeah. actually check to see if they've been graded, where they've been graded, if they've been altered, et cetera. But that's just my opinion. And I, I agree. Um, I definitely, I definitely am for people being allowed to crack cards, you know, um, I, I love when people crack a graded card and put it in one touch, especially like older. Oh, I, do that all the time. I love that, yeah. you know, but I do think I do agree with both you guys. Like there needs to be a way to be able to track it because the consistent cracking and it's kind of out of control and it's just like ludicrous to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand why people do it because the inconsistency with the, the grades, you know, right. from across the board, you know, um, that's why people do it you know i I did a test um a couple of years ago just for fun with uh sgc and psa i sent the same card six different times same exact one cracked it out every single time psa i got four different grades sgc i got five so Mm. that right there tells you and there was no damage like done to the card it actually got better grades as it went on (laughs) <laughs> but um so i mean like the cracking had no effect on it so yeah, yeah. A- absolutely i think yeah. the bay area guy also had a comment uh, about send somebody he knew sent in an 86 fleer jordan like 11 times and on the 11th yes. try i think he said that it got a 10 it's like so wow. there are 10 yeah. other jordans that are in the population report that are not actually Exactly. In the, that are not actually in the population report, and those so like, certs aren't decertified. You know right. what I mean? That's that's where it gets scary too, because if you're cracking these cards, you've got a cert now that's in the system that is real. You've got the flip that is real. Well, we just had the FBI case. How do you think they're able to get all this stuff so easily? You can put a fake in, make a fake slab. You've got a real flip with a cert that matches. Yeah, it's still legit. Like they're. There's got to be some way, and I mean, I don't, I don't begin to have the answer to it. But when it comes to cracking it out, there, there's got to be some way to eventually tell, you know what I mean? To be able to have and like, uh, like um, trying to, I want to get the name right here. Stoops baseball cards AI is there to track cards by matching AI scans. That's really one way I think we need to be looking at using AI as opposed to let's have robots pick up and grab our cards. Cause I mean, that's just ridiculous. We go buy them now if we wanted to, it's just expensive. Um, but you know, it, it is something that I think they definitely need to start tracking because the pop reports and stuff like that are important. 
on a lot of different stuff when it comes to set registries, when it comes to everything. And like you said, there's all those on that, on that Jordan alone, that's, that's 10 Jordans that aren't there, but there's 10 cert numbers that are out there that are <laughs> still saying that it is legit and it is there unless he just did a straight submit, which it doesn't sound like he did. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And I don't know if Beckett would be able to do something similar, but like, a couple of years ago, the one of one Juan Soto Superfractor auto was graded by Beckett, and then it was cracked, and the audio was actually altered, was and then it was graded yeah. by PSA. Yeah, so, it was. And, uh, and, then, and then PSA, I think they bought the card themselves, so yeah. to get it off of the market, because obviously it's the auto was altered. Um, so I don't know if if that's something that Beckett could do or any of the grading companies if they know that they made a mistake. If something that's that's something that they could do, but. Like may and I don't know maybe that's maybe that's a precedent that like if it had been some sort of court lawsuit like then that's what the grading company has to do if they grade a fake card or they grade a fake auto like they have to they have to buy the card at market value to the person who bought it so that way they can get their money back but also get the card out of the like circulation of somebody that could potentially sell it again. Yeah, PSA did do that. Um, what happened with the Soto, if any, if you're familiar with Soto's auto, if it's on card or sticker, really, he loves to take that long line all the way across the card and make it go off card. They did wipe the auto so it stayed on card. So it looked like so the auto would get a 10. Once again, back when they were grading with BGS, because BGS had more value at the time. But then when they did cross it, uh, PSA did do it and they did get it off the market. And uh, that's that's the type of stuff we need to do. Um, and that's a massive card. That that's a huge that was a huge card at the time. So uh, but we do have a couple of interesting ones. Kamikaze sports card hybrid, chip putting chips in the slab, <laughs> die slab, die pack that squirts of ink on the card. I don't I don't think I want to go there um when it comes to <laughs> cards. but uh that is quite interesting um but yeah so we'll see what happens with all that um but yes alt is suing beckett we'll keep you guys up to date i'm sure as this goes on as i think we can all agree that whatever the decision is on here it's gonna set precedence as if it goes all the way through to a decision for a lot of other stuff in the future like this can affect a lot of other scams frauds and issues in the future if alt were to win this or even if they lose the wording that the judge uses and everything this is going to be used as a precedent for a lot of things in the future i think all right y'all well, before we wrap up today's show um figure we touch on something real quick that really touches close to home to me but uh we had a little nfl news that's going to really shake up the quarterback market in the hobby. Um, the Chicago bears trading the number one pick to my Carolina Panthers. We now have the number one pick, which is never a good thing to say, but we have the number <laughs> one pick now. And uh, Tua also got his five, his uh, fifth year extension picked up by the dolphins. So in the last 24 hours, we've had three teams. Basically we've got the Panthers saying, Hey, we're going to, bet on somebody else instead of try and bring in a grizzled vet to run the run the system. But then you've got what I think the more important thing is, especially for the hobby, you've got the Dolphins picking up Tua saying that Tua, you're still our guy, but you've got a year to prove it to us. Otherwise they would have restructured his deal. So 
they they're kind of saying, yeah, you've you've got that chance to show it to us. But the Bears, by picking up everything they did, they got DJ Moore, which guys, DJ Moore is one of the most underrated receivers in football. This kid is a beast and exactly what Chicago was lacking. And he's expensive, but they got him. They kind of showed that Justin Fields is their guy. So we've got two quarterbacks from the last two classes that are now kind of thrust into the spotlight again as the teams have said, hey, you're our guy. We're going with you. What do you guys think about uh, everything that's going on in the in the football world right now? The trade and uh, the Dolphins picking up to it. Um, um, I, I, I think, I think, the, I think these teams are just trying to play a little bit more safe, um, because I, I think that Deshaun Watson, um, going to the Browns and getting all that money and stuff really <laughs> ha- has a trickle effect on the quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, as you can see with like Lamar Jackson situation and stuff, so I just think they're just playing it safe with the younger quarterbacks and the uh, the contracts that they have currently. So I'm not surprised at all. I'm not surprised. Um, you know, I, I think most majority of the quarterbacks are just on the same playing field, you know, just have the, the top three, you know, but other than that, everybody's kind of just on the same playing field. And also too, um, the, that Russell Wilson, um, situation, him bombing so bad was just, you know, not good as well. So I think that's trickles effect on other, other players. Yep. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy how time flies. Like that, the Dolphins are actually already picking up to his fifth year option. Like that's it, it feels like he just got drafted. Like that's crazy. Yes. But I think the other thing too is like when it comes to quarterbacks and young quarterbacks. Like I think it's good that teams are investing in their own players because if you look at like a quarterback change, so like let's just say the Dolphins for example, like they invested a top. 10 pick on Tua. And if, you know, hypothetically, yeah, sure. They have, I think they have Teddy Bridgewater as the backup, but like in most scenarios, like if you invest a top 10 pick in a quarterback and then it doesn't pan out or it doesn't work, you're almost having to reset your whole entire franchise for a, you know, a five, a four to five year window. If you're then getting another guy and it's like for fields, I think he he needs the weapons. Like, and I think the other thing when it comes to like draft picks and trading picks, like I'm the type of guy that sort of, I would rather trade the pick for a player in their second or third year already. That's established because, you know, if hypothetically, like, I don't know if, if let's just say if a, if the bears were to draft or well, and now they also, also still have the opportunity to draft a wide receiver, but it's like, if you draft a wide receiver, what the best case scenario sometimes is like that they turn into DJ Moore. So it's like you get DJ Moore and then you also potentially get another player that you can develop. So it's like, I look at draft picks and trading capital and stuff along those lines, like especially in the NFL with like so many players and so many picks, like if you can turn a second or third round pick into a player, that's a starter on your team, like that's best case scenario for that pick in the first place. So Mm -hmm. like you're already almost skipping the two or three year window that you would have had to develop that player. Sure. They have to come into the system, but like um, getting a player instead of drafting a rookie, like I, I like the, I like the, trading picks for that reason, or even just trading picks for other picks. It's, it's also so interesting too. Like they got so many other picks for the number one pick. Like, yeah. um, 
it's like who's to say they don't trade the ninth pick for like the the, the 15th and then like another one or something along Mm -hmm. those lines so like um like i think like didn't it was i think it was like the jets or some team had like it was either last year or this year they have like four like top 15 picks or something because they just were trading first round picks and got like a bunch of but got a bunch of picks that just ended up being on teams that were not good so i kind of look at it that way like package your picks and get a player that you can bring in that's going to help your team rather than trying to to develop someone that's you know maybe you you never know what's going to happen with that coin flip yeah eric no, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll see. I think more movement will happen. Um, so interesting. Very interested. You know. No, definitely. <laughs> Bay Area guy says there are, and you look at the names that are. We talk about just these guys, but the NFL is about to have like a basketball trade deadline shakeup with quarterbacks. Honestly, um, Aaron uh, Aaron Rodgers looks to be out if he ever gets out of the, the uh, ayahuasca phase. He might play some <laughs> more football. Um, you got Lamar Jackson with. God, who knows what's going on with that situation. Garoppolo, Winston, Brady, everyone wants to say is coming back. He's not. But (laughs) that uh, two of fifth year option kind of put that to bed. Um, But yeah, there's so many different quarterbacks that are going to change places. I know U.S. Sports Card says if Aaron Rodgers ends up in New York, that is going to be interesting to see how his card market reacts to that. Because someone like Aaron Rodgers, even though I despise him, um, if he were to go to New York, I do think you'd see a massive hobby jump on his cards. Um, And he doesn't have a ton of stuff out there, kind of in that Brady era where there's not a massive amount. So I I think his high-end stuff would take a pretty big bump. But, you know, Green Bay, you're kind of already established in a legendary franchise with a massive collector base. So there might not be as much movement and I don't think you'd win there personally either, but that's just a personal football opinion. But, uh, but yeah, it's very interesting to me. Um, I know the fields trade with the Panthers. I love um, Adam. I'm just like you. I, I love the draft picks as a way to move to take players because I have a, if everyone listens to any show I do, I always talk about, I have a three year rule. I look at a player after three years in, once they've made their debut before I judge them on anything. Because it takes a lot of time to adjust to the pace of play, whether it be NBA, NFL, or whatever. The hitting, the the scheming, everything, no matter what it is in any sport. So I give it about three years. I would much rather move that capital around for established players. Um, now, in the Panthers' case, I see why they did the number one pick move. Um, and, and I don't mind it because we were at nine where we were probably going to be forced to either take somebody we didn't want or use that pick somewhere else or trade back. And so if you've got a whole new coaching regime in Frank Reich and a massively talented coaching staff, they want their guy. Apparently they, they feel that they found their guy. Otherwise they wouldn't have made this move. They would not. I don't see a brand new coaching staff trading all of that up for someone that they don't know that they like and they know that they want. And so I think they know exactly who they want and they want to build around that person. So I get it, but 
at the same, you know, there's no quarterbacks available. If Tua's option hadn't been picked up or something, I say, okay, hold on, maybe go after Tua, maybe go after a Lamar or somebody like that. But apparently these guys saw somebody they liked. So I, I see why they use the picks. But I, I love the picks for grabbing, you know, already in the league established talent. Otherwise, you're just doing a coin flip. Yeah, the Bears tank job this year actually was maybe the most impressive thing yeah. I've ever seen in sports. Yeah. Like for like four or five weeks there, like people were like, they might make the playoffs. And then like you get to the end of the season and somehow they got the number one pick and everyone still loves Justin Fields. Like it was it was pretty remarkable. Like from well, a fantasy also- perspective, like he was like a top five quarterback. Like if you had him in fantasy you could have played him the whole season and he would have done like all right, but somehow the Bears still lost enough games that they got the number one pick somehow. It was really he was 34 yards away from breaking the all-time rookie rushing record for a quarterback in a tanking right. season. I mean, it, it was impressive. It was probably the most impressive thing I've seen the Bears do in a decade. <laughs> yeah, right. So we'll see what happens. Um, it's gonna be interesting, it's gonna be a lot of fun, but uh Guys, we had just a couple minutes here, so I guess we'll probably wrap up um, this week's show. I got to uh, go do my best Ted Lasso and go coach some uh, kids in <laughs> soccer. Um, but uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Hobby Hotline. Uh, Adam and Erica, thank you so much for joining the show today. Um, guys, remember we are live every Saturday here on the Bench Clear Media Network. Um, a lot of stuff coming up soon, so make sure to check all of that stuff out. Um, and of course, hit us up with anything you need. Make sure to check out everyone's shows. Adam, Erica, love what you collect. Adam's sale, my me at that potograph, and everyone else's shows, Sports Card Nation, and all that. And Hobby News Daily at the website launching April 1st as well. That is not an April Fool's joke, it is real. I know Erica's writing, I am as well. So, uh, definitely check that out. It'll be coming April 1st. Um, enjoy the weekend, everybody. Hit some of the shows up. Uh, I know the Philly show is going on. A lot of different shows going on. So have some fun. Get out there. Enjoy the weather. But thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Yes.